Won't you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for your presence here. Lord, we pray that you would teach us this morning from your word exactly what we need to know. We pray that you would change us as places where we need to be changed. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I have in my office a little book that I thought I'd share with you a couple of things out of this morning. It's called The Christian's Handbook. And, and it's interesting because some of the stuff you read, and it's very serious, helping you to understand certain things about the Christian life. Other things you read, and it's a little tongue-in-cheek. But basically what this does is provide at least somewhat of an A to Z guide on the Christian life. Now, it's not the Bible, obviously, but at the same time, it's got some interesting things in there. I wanted to share a couple with you that I thought might be helpful on... Uh, one in particular that hopefully as we get warmer weather, we won't have to deal with. Here's how to survive for one hour in an unair-conditioned church. Maybe some of you remember before we had air conditioning here at Elm Grove, and you say, I wish I'd have had that guide. Plan ahead when possible. Scout out the sanctuary ahead of time to locate optimal seating near fans or open windows. <laughs> Consider where the sun will be during the worship service and avoid sitting under direct sunlight. Number two... Maintain your distance from others. <laughs> Human beings disperse heat and moisture as a means of cooling themselves. An average-sized person puts off about as much heat as a 75-watt light bulb. Did you know that? I had no idea. No wonder it gets hot in here. Is that right? Whew. The front row, it says, will likely be empty and available. <laughs> Isn't that just great? If you need to survive, the church runs out of air conditioning. If it goes out, right up here. <clears throat> Remain still, it says. Fidgeting will only make your heat index rise. Number four, think cool thoughts. How to survive. Number five, dress for survival. Wear only cool, breathable fabrics. Number seven, pray. Jesus survived on prayer in the desert for 40 days. Isn't that great? Surely you can make it for one hour. <laughs> Here's another one uh, in this uh, guide to Christian living. How to respond when someone sits in your pew. <laughs> now, I'm going to step on some toes, I guess, here, aren't I? Somebody tells me occasionally, and that's when you stop preaching and you start meddling. That's smile and greet the intruders. <laughs> Oftentimes, they're visitors. <laughs> Remember that. View the intrusion as an opportunity to meet someone new. Remember, you don't own the pew, you just borrow it once a week. That's what, it's great. If you can tell that your new friends feel uncomfortable about having displaced you, despite your efforts to the contrary, make an extra effort to welcome them. How nice. Interesting, some things that we come across. How to, how to use a worship bulletin. That's uh, arrive early, it says. Fill up the front pew. No, I'm just joking. But it's interesting that we get a little bit of an A to Z guide in there. And that's, as I said, somewhat tongue-in-cheek. This morning, though, I want to focus on what really does provide for us an A to Z guide for Christian living, and that is certainly our Bible, the Scripture. Uh, we're in a series called Rooted in God's Word, and so far, uh, I've told you my goal each week with this series, is that each of us individually and that we as a church collectively We'll become rooted in God's Word so that we're nurtured, we're fed, we're grown by it, 
that we produce the fruit that's commanded by it, by the grace and for the glory of the one who wrote it. And that's really the goal. We've been talking about what the Scripture is. That was our, our focus for the first three weeks of this series. We looked at, at the inspiration of Scripture, that it comes from God. And because of that, it is inerrant. It is absolutely reliable. Also, it is authoritative, that it is the final word for us. Last week, we saw uh, why do we need the Bible in our lives. We saw the benefit of it. We looked at the Scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3 and, and saw all those great benefits. The third question that I told you I'd be answering, not only what is the Scripture and why do, I need, why do I need it, but how can I get it into my life? That's what we'll focus on this week and the next three, just so you know. Uh, this week, we're going to look at the attitude that we have toward Scripture. And if you've got your Bible handy, I want you to turn with me to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, just so you know, covers several pages in your Bible. It's the longest psalm uh, in all of those. We've built the case so far for what is the Bible, why do we need it, and this morning we're going to talk about beginning to receive the, the, the Bible, God's Word, and that begins with the right attitude. Now, Psalm 119, as I said, is the longest psalm. Now, what's interesting about this, and your Bible may have some headings and some little Hebrew letters and so on, the interesting thing about Psalm 119 is that it is what's called an alphabetic acrostic. Now, in Hebrew, there are 22 letters in the alphabet. And so this psalm has 22 stanzas. There are eight verses in each of those stanzas, and each of those verses begins with the letter that you may see there in your heading in the Hebrew. Now, in the English, obviously, it's translated a little different. Look at the first one there, under Aleph. If you were to read this in the Hebrew, each of those eight verses in the Hebrew would begin with the letter Aleph. So you see what the person who wrote this has done is to create an A to Z guide to here's what the Scripture is about. He covers everything. He shows that Scripture is absolutely complete. Most Psalms, as you know, are very emotional. This one's not. It has emotion in it. But, but what we get is the sense that there was a person who sat down and said, I'm going to reflect on all the Scripture means. And I'm going to put it in a form that's memorable. You can just go right down the alphabet and memorize these eight lines for this letter and these eight lines for this letter and so on. And, and I'm going to make sure that folks understand that from the beginning of our alphabet to the very end, from A to Z, so to speak, in our language, the Bible covers it all. And he provides for us a lengthy and very beautiful I really think Psalm 119, one of the most beautiful passages of Scripture in all of the Bible, the psalmist provides for us a, a manual, A to Z, on what the Bible really is all about. So this is a, about how to approach the Scripture, how to read it, how to understand it with the right attitude. And I will say that it's especially important if you're a younger person here this morning, if you can begin now to have the right attitude towards Scripture when you read it to receive it, then it will certainly make a, a huge difference in your life. So what he's done by providing this alphabetical acrostic is to provide in the Hebrew an easy way for it to be remembered. He shows that God has, uh, has everything covered in his word from A to Z, and he's going to help his readers understand the all-encompassing nature of the Bible, that it's complete and it's infinite. And in the Scripture, what he shows us is we have all we need for life, for godly living. Now, Psalm 119 references at many points, and uh, I'll just tell you, I'm not going to read it all up front, but it, it tells us essentially the attitude that, we're, that we're, we're to have. You realize 
Uh, and, and I came across a poem this week that Chuck Swindoll wrote, a great preacher, Chuck Swindoll, who wrote about attitude. He just says, attitude, he's convinced, is, is more important than most anything else uh, in our daily lives. And I really believe that attitude, and, and I had the opportunity to meet yesterday with the Murray State baseball team, lead a chapel for them. We talked a little bit about attitude. And I, I, I really believe that attitude, as you probably have experienced, can either make or break many institutions, organizations, teams, schools, churches, homes, whatever it may be, and I really believe that attitude, when it comes to our approach to the Scripture, can make or break whether or not we want to read it, whether or not we receive anything from it, and, and, and uh, whether or not we'll go back to it at any point in time. So the Scripture requires that we receive it with a positive attitude, and I want to look this morning at what should be the right attitude toward God's Word. I'm going to break it into two parts. If you see on the back of your bulletin, you'll see a couple of boxes there. The way we're going to look at this is the first part of, of the main statement, the main point of the sermon will be on the left-hand side of your, of your bulletin, and then the second part uh, will be on the right-hand side. So because of the Bible's value, now I want to tell you, we've already looked at that. We looked at what the Bible is, why do I need it in my life, and so because of the Bible's value, and you'll see under that several things, and I want to point to what Psalm 119 says about the Bible's value. First of all, it is a syllabus for us. Now, we live in a college town, so I figured the word syllabus was appropriate. If you've been in any college class whatsoever, then you have encountered a syllabus. I've been taking some courses myself, and I received back in December uh, the syllabus for the two classes I was to begin in January. Now, on a syllabus, basically what it tells you is here's the information about the professor. It tells you the course objectives. It tells you the, the responsibilities of the student. It tells you the books you need to read. It tells you all the assignments, and it gives you the detail that the professor wants you to know. And I want you to know that when I look at a syllabus, I scour the thing so I don't miss anything. Because I have no ground to stand on if I go to the professor and say, you didn't tell me this, and all he'll say is, read your syllabus. And I will go and read the syllabus and discover that I was wrong. The syllabus is the guide for the entire course, showing us the expectations, the responsibilities, how to remain in good fellowship with the professor, if you will. Your grades and so on are dependent upon you understanding the syllabus and following it completely. The syllabus, if you are a student, should be a constant reference for you. I keep mine in a binder that I carry with me most everywhere I go. So if anywhere and any time I have a question about what's going on in the course, I simply look it up. It should be a constant reference. What you have in the syllabus are words from the creator and the instructor of the course. That instructor has put it together and now given you instructions for that. How then does the Bible compare to that as a syllabus? Look with me in Psalm 119. Verses 1 through 5. You won't see these on the screen just yet, so look in your Bible and follow along, even if your translation is a little bit different. How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They follow His ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes. There in verse 5. You see the idea that that God's word for us is to function just like that syllabus, that absolute guide for all we need to know in living life. The words from Scripture come directly from the creator and the instructor of the course. You realize God has created life, and he is the one who guides it and governs it and tells us how to live. And so we are to apply, just like you would a syllabus to, to your coursework, we are to apply the Scripture to the very details of life. 
each and every detail. Because whether we realize it or not, whether we live as if it's true or not, God is interested in you far beyond Sunday morning. I realize that many of us here uh, may or may not think about the Lord any other time, but let me tell you this, the Lord thinks about you, the Bible says, all the time, and He is concerned about every detail of your life, and He has given you the syllabus that you can follow and apply to every detail, use as a constant reference in every situation. So God's Word applies to you in how you do your job, how you speak to your family, what you watch on television, how you respond when someone crosses you, everything that happens during a regular week. Our everyday lifestyle, just like we would follow the syllabus in a course to make sure that we do what the instructor has asked us to do, the Bible is that syllabus, like a checklist for life each and every day. So the Bible functions for us as a syllabus. When I get that syllabus, let me tell you what I do. I get out my computer and my, my iPad, and I make sure that I've got in those every deadline, every detail that I can possibly get. And what I do is I'll create reminders. And maybe you've got a, a calendar, you've got a smartphone, and it, it reminds you, and it beeps, and you say, oh, I'm supposed to be somewhere. I've got some obligation. Something's due. If you're a college student, maybe you put all your stuff in there, and it reminds you, uh, now I've got to be up all night because I forgot to do this or I put it off till the last minute. Maybe that's your reminder, but I tell you the scripture is to function just like that for us. It's to be the pop-up reminder throughout the day. It's to be in our calendar, so to speak. The scripture is to be followed just like that syllabus. It is our syllabus for all of life. Not only that, but it is a defense. It's a syllabus, but it's also a defense against sin. Look in verse 9. <clears throat> If you're a young person, pay attention especially. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The Bible not only is a directive for us and a course guide, so to speak, but what we find in the scripture is also help in our defense against sin. The Bible says we're to walk in purity. We're not to wander from the Lord's commands. We're not to sin against God. If you look at verse 29, it says, Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. Verse 121, if you keep flipping over just a little bit, I have done what is just and right. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. We see here in these verses we're to walk in purity. We're not to wander from the Lord's commands. We're not to sin against God. We're to stay far away from the, from the path of deceit. We're to know and to do what is just and what is right. But how do you know right from wrong? How can you be convicted when you get away from the Lord? How do you even know you've strayed? How can you be brought back to Him? How can you know what are the steps for godly living? Psalm 119 tells us we are to keep the Word of God. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping and following, obeying the Word of God. We're to seek God with all of our heart. We're to treasure the Lord's Word in our hearts, to memorize it. We're to ask for His instruction every day. And I know that, that maybe you think that, that I just work here at church uh, on Sundays and then I'm a, a monk or something the rest of the week. I'm not sure. But I'm not, and I realize that you don't just come to church and that's the only thing you do all week, and you sit around and just anxiously await your next opportunity. I, I know that. We live real lives. We have everyday things that we do. 
And there is a constant, as you well know, a constant bombardment of temptations and potential pitfalls and sins that, that knock and crouch at the door, the Bible says, all the time for us. How will you fight that battle? The Bible makes it clear that if we give ourselves to the Word of God, then we have a built-in and a ready defense against temptation and against sin. And there is no better defense against sin. You can put up all the barriers and you can try really hard and all that stuff, but unless you have hidden God's word in your heart, you will be prone over and over to fall into the same temptations, the same sins. The Bible says, how can I keep my way pure? By following your word. I have hidden it in my heart so that I won't sin against you. It's a syllabus of defense. It's also a window into God's heart. I love this about the scripture. Folks who say, oh, I'm not sure we can know God. I'm not sure we can understand Him. I just want to say, I think you've missed one important thing that God has given to us and preserved for thousands of years, and it's called the Bible. How can we get an idea of who God is, about what God thinks, about what His agenda is? It's very simple. God has told us and revealed to us what He wants us to know in the Scripture. So anytime you want to understand a little bit about the Lord, you think about it. If you want to understand uh, about how a person thinks, what they're about, well, you, you read something they've written. You listen to them talk. And it's the same way with God. We have His written word coming from His mouth absolutely from Him. The Scripture is the very window into God's heart. We get these different terms that the, the, the psalmist used here in 119. He talks about laws and judgments and statutes and we see that and we say, laws, laws from God, I do, what am I supposed to do with that? This is right, this is wrong, and I'm going to get hammered if I don't do this. Statutes and commands and so on. But what he's showing us, even his own attitude toward the Scripture, the psalmist shows us that he's just learning about the heart of God. And it's not about legalism that God sets all these standards and says, well, if you jump through this, then I'll love you. And if you jump through this hoop, then I'll be okay with you and so on and so forth. What God gives us in the Scripture is not those hoops to jump through but a gracious, loving, here's how to live life guide. Realize that when the law was given through Moses, the Ten Commandments came not before God brought the people out of slavery, but after. It was after he had established a relationship with the people that God said, now, here's how you live in relationship with me. Realize the scripture is not to tell you and to be your guide for Here's how I get God to love me, and here's how I get God's approval. God says that He loves us, and through Jesus Christ, He has approved all who will believe in Him. And now we live, according to the Scripture, out of love for the Lord. It is a gracious, loving thing. We get a window into God's heart. So as you read the Scripture, you get an idea of how God thinks. You get an idea of what He cares about. You get an idea of who He really is. You'll see His holiness and why our sin can't be tolerated. But then you'll see his love and his grace towards sinners when he sends his son as a substitute for them. You'll see his desire to know and to be known by his people. In Scripture, you get a window into God's heart. But not only that, you get some landmarks for living. You get some landmarks for living. The Bible here in Psalm 119 refers to statutes 21 times. These are decrees or things that are seemingly engraved for all time. They're like permanent landmarks so that you know which way to go. I still have written down the very first time I, I wrote directions to Nancy's 
house in Illinois. And most of you have not been to Nancy's house in Illinois. It's on a gravel road, off a gravel road, off a gravel road, sort of close to another road that eventually leads somewhere and you it's hard to find. I'll just tell you that. She gave me directions and I remember she says, you need to turn at the old stump. I, I'm from Louisville. We don't have stumps. Forgive me, we don't have stumps that we use as landmarks. So he said, turn on this road and go a mile and turn here, and we get on the interstate. That's what we do, you know. And here I am, city boy, trying to find this farm in the middle of Illinois on a gravel road, off a gravel road, off a gravel road, somewhere close to the interstate that I exited 20 minutes ago and still can't find the place. And, and it's turn at the old stump. Let me tell you what, that old stump is still there, and if it weren't for that old stump, I probably still to this day could not find where their house is. I look for that old stump. We finally turn on the road where the, where the house is, and I think, all right, now just where's the stump? If they ever cut the stump down, I'm telling you, I'd be lost. I'd have no clue where I'm going. There's no road signs. There's no directions. There's nothing. GPS barely works out there. You know what I mean? So, so the old stump, I've come to rely on it. The Scripture ought to be the same way for us. Look at verse 138. 138. uses a synonym here for statutes or landmarks. The decrees you issue are righteous and what? Altogether trustworthy. They're not going to change. They're always going to be there. They'll always be the same. They'll always lead you in the right direction. If you need to know where to go, the old stump is always going to be there. The scripture will always set up the landmarks so you know where to go and you know which way to turn and you know which dead ends to avoid. It's a landmark for living. They never change, they never move, they never become irrelevant. It's also a flashlight. Some of you are familiar with this verse in Psalm 119, verse 105. It's a flashlight for your path. It says here, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. When my office used to be through this little door over here and down to the left, there were times when I would be working, it was dark, and I would come in the sanctuary and it's really dark in the sanctuary. If you want to get freaked out, you come into the sanctuary when it's dark and there's nobody in here. Some of you have done that before. And then you get, there's a little automatic air freshener. When that goes off in the dark, it's really scary. <coughs> <laughs> but I used to always keep a flashlight right over there. Why? Because the light switch is either here or way in the back, and I had no way of turning on the light. What's the first thing you do when you walk into a dark room? You look for the light switch. Or if you've got a flashlight, you turn it on. When you're in a dark place, you need light to see where you're going. And we live in a very dark world. We live in a world that does not love God, that does not care about God, that is darkened by sin and is getting darker. And we need the light of Scripture to show us the way to go. It is hard, and I want you to know this, I understand. It is difficult week in and week out in the places that you go and where you are every day to know how to live. It's dark. And there's very little light there. The Bible tells us that Scripture itself will be the light right in front of us that we need to know what the next step is. It may not shine the whole path and light everything up like we'd want, but the Bible says it's a lamp for my feet. My next step, I can... Scripture as a flashlight to see where we're going because it's sometimes very difficult to do that.
Not only that, but it's a treasure to be unearthed. The scripture, a syllabus, a defense, a window, it's landmarks, it's a flashlight, it's a treasure to be unearthed. Look in verse 162. The psalmist says, I rejoice like one who finds a vast treasure. He treats the scripture as if he's found something so valuable, it's time to dig it up. Do you realize in Psalm 119 alone, we see the treasure of scripture, and we see in verse 28 that it encourages those who are grieving. In verse 38, it, re- it reassures us of the promises God has for those who honor him. Verse 42, it says it provides answers, even against those who would come against us. Verse 45, it says it gives us freedom. 49 says it offers us hope. In 50, we see it comforts and revives us gives us a thankful heart in verse 62, brings us back to God in verse 37, gives us wisdom and instruction, verses 98 through 100. It enlightens us. It protects us. It sustains our hope. It brings delight. It brings peace. It delivers us. It brings love and salvation and shows mercy to all who love the name of God. That's what the scripture is. It is a treasure to be unearthed. And let me tell you, if you and I are not constantly engaging with the Scripture, we are missing out on the most valuable possession that we could ever have. You say, well, i, I got a job, and i got to make money, and I, I, that's great. I respect that. But there is nothing more valuable. He says, I rejoice over your promise like one who finds vast treasure. It's a treasure to be unearthed, and it's also honey to be tasted. In verse 97, we get this introduction here how I love your teaching it is my meditation all day long your command makes me wiser than my enemies for it's always with me and then he goes down in verse 103 and he says this how sweet your word is to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth honey's pretty good I don't know if you like it or not and it's good I like honey on a piece of toast with some peanut butter on it right the first thing in the morning that's what I like with a cup of coffee or six that's what I like I love honey, and I think it's great. We had some honey the other night, and Nancy made some bread, and we put some stuff on there, and I had some honey. Oh, man, it was good. Man, it was good. I, you can have some of that. Uh, it, just a hint. You sitting in the back there, so make some more of that. But it's good. Man, it was good. Absolutely, yeah. Try to be subtle. <clears throat> but, you know, the Scripture says here that God's Word is sweeter than even that. I don't know what your favorite dessert is. Maybe it's a cobbler, or it's ice cream, or it's a cake, or it's a pie, whatever it is. Now you're getting hungry. But, but the Bible says that God's word is sweeter than even that. That it's so much better. It's, it's as if the psalmist here in 119, he just loves God because he loves God's word and he can't get enough. It's so sweet, he says. He can't get enough of God's guidance because it's so good. So because of the Bible's value, you see all those things that the Bible has value for. Because of that, here's what the challenge is. I will make it my primary counselor all day, every day. Look at verse 24. I'll show you where I got this. Verse 24. Because of the Bible's value, we've seen all that. I will make it my primary counselor all day, Every day, verse 24, your decrees are my delight and my counselors. A counselor is a person who gives you guidance, a person who you seek out 
for advice, a person whose opinion you trust, the person who, if they lay out a plan for you, you say, I'll follow that because I trust you. I wonder for you and for me, is the Bible our primary counselor all day, every day? Do we just wing it? Do we just go on what we know? Or do we follow the Scripture? Probably not in most cases, right? Even for some Christians, you say, I, yeah, I like the Bible and I appreciate it, but it's really not what I live by. How do you make it your primary counselor? The first thing you do is to consume it. You consume it. I'll give you a couple of references here. <clears throat> in verse 7, it says, I will praise you with a sincere heart when I learn your righteous judgments. Verse 12, Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. To consume it, to study it, to read it, to understand it as best we can. That's where we start. Maybe you say, I've not read the Bible in a long time. This week, I would challenge you, go back and read Psalm 119. Just start there. Probably easy for you to remember where that is. To consume the Bible. Absolutely as much as possible. That begins to make it your primary counselor. Secondly, love it. The psalmist words here are powerful. Verse 72. To love it. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I don't know if you love the idea of having more gold and silver pieces, so to speak. But certainly all of us would say, well, I tell you what, I I wouldn't turn it down. Not going to say I'm in love with it, but I wouldn't turn it down. Our society certainly is in love with it. And the Bible says here, instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. In verse 97, he puts it this way. How I love your teaching. How I love your teaching. It is my meditation all day long, which leads me to the next one. Meditate on it. You say, well, that's kind of, that, that sounds weird. Am I supposed to chant or hum or get into weird physical positions? Am I supposed to do crazy things and burn incense to meditate? Understand that the idea of meditation in Scripture is very different from what our worldly uh, attitude might be. To meditate uh, according to certain principles would be to empty your mind of everything and just clear it out and have nothing there at all. To meditate according to the Bible is to fill your mind, to fill it each and every day with the Scripture, to let it ruminate over and over like it's simmering in a pot. That's what meditation means. Verse 15, he puts it this way. He says, I meditate on your precepts and I think about your ways. I wonder how often you think about the precepts and the ways of God. His teachings and His decrees and His commands. I meditate on it so that it will become part of my life. Which leads to the fourth one. Live it. Consume it, love it, meditate on it, and live it. There is to be not only a commitment to understand it and to put it into our minds, but to obey it. To hold on to it, even in difficult times. The psalmist, over and over in this particular passage, as we'll see in just a moment, he, he references that folks have risen up against him. Things have gotten tough for him. Life is hard. And he says, but I have not forgotten your decrees. I have not forgotten your commands. I have not forgotten your laws, and I will obey them. What is your attitude toward the Scripture? 
it probably drives whether or not you interact with it. You say, ah, it's not that big a deal. It's just an old book. Or you say, I hunger for it. I, want, I can't get enough of the Scripture. What is your attitude? How will you receive the written Word of God? The Bible fast-forwards to the New Testament and calls us into question on how we will receive not only the written Word of God, but the living Word of God, Jesus Christ Himself. John chapter 1, the Bible says that the Word, the Word of God became flesh, and He dwelt among us. Our attitude toward the Scripture is quite likely directly correlated to our attitude toward Jesus Christ and our willingness or unwillingness to receive Him and to surrender our lives to Him. I want to close this morning with something a little bit unique. I want to read to you for the purpose of having it minister to your heart. And I really mean that. I believe that if we've got an A to Z guide on how beneficial and powerful the Scripture is, that we ought to read it. Paul told Timothy, don't forsake the public reading of Scripture. And so this morning, what I'm going to do is read Psalm 119. Yes, there are 176 verses. They'll be on the screen. And we're going to close our time this morning. And I want you to evaluate as I read it, is that me? Is my attitude the attitude of this psalmist toward the Scripture? Do I want it in my life like he does? And I want you to let it minister to your heart. Let it teach you. Let it convict you. Let it put you back together if necessary. Let it show you how to live. But I want to read this to you this morning. And let it minister, the very Word of God, minister directly to your hearts. You'll see the words on the screen. Verse 1, How happy are those whose way is blameless, who live according to the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep His decrees and seek Him with all their heart. They do nothing wrong. They follow His ways. You have commanded that your precepts be diligently kept. If only my ways were committed to keeping your statutes, then I would not be ashamed when I walk, when I think about all your commands. I will praise you with a sincere heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I will keep your statutes. Never abandon me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the way revealed by your decrees as, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal generously with your servants so that I may live. Then I will keep your word. Open my eyes so that I may see wonderful things in your law. I am a stranger on earth. Do not hide your commands from me. I am continually overcome by longing for your judgments. You rebuke the proud, the accursed, who wander from your commands. Take insult and contempt away from me, for I have kept your decrees. Though princes sit together speaking against me, your servant will think about your statutes. Your decrees are my delight and my counselors. My life is down in the dust. Give me life through your word. I told you about my life, and you listened to me. Teach me your statutes. Help me understand the meaning of your precepts so that I can meditate on your wonders. I am weary from grief. Strengthen me through your word. Keep me from the way of deceit and graciously give me your instruction. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set your ordinances before me. I cling to your decrees. Lord, do not put me to shame. 
I pursue the way of your commands, for you broaden my understanding. Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me to understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to material gain. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. Confirm what you said to your servant, for it produces reverence for you. Turn away the, the disgrace I dread. Indeed, your judgments are good. How I long for your precepts. Give me life through your righteousness. Let your faithful love come to me, Lord, your salvation as you promised. Then I can answer the one who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Never take the word of truth from my mouth, for I hope in your judgments. I will always keep your law forever and ever. I will walk freely in an open place because I seek your precepts. I will speak of your decrees before kings and not be ashamed. I delight in your commands, which I love. I will lift up my hands to your commands, which I love, and will meditate on your statutes. Remember your word to your servant. You have given me hope through it. This is my comfort and my affliction. Your promise has given me life. The arrogant constantly ridicule me, but I do not turn away from your instruction. Lord, remember your judgments from long ago, and I find comfort. Rage seizes me because of the wicked who reject your instruction. Your statutes are the theme of my song during my earthly life. I remember your name in the night, Lord, and I keep your law. This is my practice. I obey your precepts. The Lord is my portion, and I have promised to keep your words. I have sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. I thought about my ways, and I turned my steps back to your decrees. I hurried, not hesitating, to keep your commands. Though the ropes of the wicked were wrapped around me, I did not forget your law. I rise at midnight to thank you for your righteous judgments. I am a friend to all who fear you, to those who keep your precepts. Lord, the earth is filled with your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. Lord, you have treated your servant well, just as you promised. Teach me good judgment and discernment, for I rely on your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, and you do what is good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant have smeared me with lies, but I obey your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are hard and insensitive, but I delight in your instruction. It was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. Instruction from your lips is better for me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding so that I can learn your commands. Those who fear you will see me and rejoice, for I put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your judgments are just and that you've afflicted me fairly. May your faithful love comfort me and you, as you promised your servant. May your compassion come to me so that I may live, for your instruction is my delight. Let the arrogant be put to shame for slandering me with lies. I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you, those who know your decrees, turn to me. May my heart be blameless regarding your statutes so that I will not be put to shame. I long for your salvation. I put my hope in your word. My eyes grow weary looking for what you have promised. I ask, when will you comfort me? Though I have become like a wineskin dried by smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many days must your servant wait? When will you execute judgment on my persecutors? The arrogant have dug, dug pits for me. They violate your instruction. All your commands are true. People persecute me with lies. Help me. They almost ended my life on earth, but I did not abandon your precepts. Give me life in accordance with your faithful love, and I will obey the decree you have spoken. Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for all generations. You established the earth, and it stands firm. 
They stand today in accordance with your judgment for all things, for all things are your servants. If your instruction had not been my delight, I would have died in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for you have given me life through them. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked hope to destroy me, but I contemplate your decrees. I have seen a limit to all perfection, but your command is without limit. How I love your teaching. It is my meditation all day long. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted. Lord, give me life through your word. Lord, please accept my willing offerings of praise and teach me your judgments. My life is constantly in danger, yet I do not forget your instruction. The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not wandered from your precepts. I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your instruction. You are my shelter and my shield. I put my hope in your word. Depart from me, you evil ones, so that I may obey my God's commands. Sustain me as you promised, and I will live. Do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Sustain me so that I can be safe and be concerned with your statutes continually. You reject all who stray from your statutes, for their deceit is a lie. You remove all the wicked on earth as if they were dross. Therefore, I love your decrees. I tremble in awe of you. I fear your judgments. I have done what is just and right. Do not leave me to my oppressors. Guarantee your servants' well-being. Do not let the arrogant oppress me. My eyes grow weary looking for your salvation and for your righteous promise. Deal with your servant based on your faithful love. Teach me your statutes. I am your servant. Give me understanding so that I may know your decrees. It is time for the Lord to act, for they have broken your law. Since I love your commands more than gold, even the purest gold, I carefully follow all your precepts and hate every false way. Your decrees are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The revelation of your words brings light and gives understanding to the inexperienced. I pant with open mouth because I long for your commands. Turn to me and be gracious to me, as is your practice toward those who love your name. Make my steps steady through your promise. Don't let sin dominate me. Redeem me from human oppression, and I will keep your precepts. Show favor to your servant and teach me your statutes. My eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. You are righteous, Lord, and your judgments are just. The decrees you issue are righteous and altogether trustworthy. My anger overwhelms me because my foes forget your words. Your word is completely pure and your servant loves it. I am insignificant and despised, but I do not forget your precepts. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your instruction is true. Trouble and distress have overtaken me, but your commands are my delight. Your decrees are righteous forever. Give me understanding, and I will live. I call with all my heart. Answer me, Lord. I will obey your statutes. I call to you. Save me, and I will keep your decrees. I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. I am awake through each watch of the night to meditate on your promise. In keeping with your faithful love, hear my voice. Lord, give me life in keeping with your justice. Those who pursue evil plans come near. They are far from your instruction. 
You are near, Lord, and your commands are true. Long ago I learned from your decrees that you have established them forever. Consider my affliction and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your instruction. Defend my cause and redeem me. Give me life as you promised. Salvation is far from the wicked because they do not seek your statutes. Your compassions are many, Lord. Give me life according to your judgments. My persecutors and foes are many. I have not turned from your decrees. I have seen the disloyal and feel disgust because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Lord, give me life according to your faithful love. The entirety of your word is truth, and all your righteous judgments endure forever. Princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart fears only your word. I rejoice over your promise like, ones who, like one who finds vast treasure. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your instruction. I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgments. Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Nothing makes them stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation and carry out your commands. I obey your decrees and love them greatly. I obey your precepts and decrees for all my ways are before you. Let my cry reach you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea reach you. Rescue me according to your promise. My lips pour out praise. For you teach me your statutes. My tongue sings about your promise. For all your commandments are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me. For I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, Lord, and your instruction is my delight. Let me live and I will praise you. May your judgments help me. I wander like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. I don't know which part of that ministers to your heart. I don't read it as a mere exercise to read 176 verses in, in church or as a replacement for the preaching of God's word because if we don't focus on God's word, I can talk all day long and not say anything. But I hope and pray that as you've heard the word of God, not only preached but read to you, that it's ministered to you, it's taught you, it's convicted you, it's drawn you closer to him. That very last verse there is one I don't want you to miss as we close. I wander like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. Jesus himself called himself the, the good shepherd. God is referred to over and over as our shepherd. We are in desperate need because we, like sheep, the Bible says, have gone astray. Each to whatever we want to do, and we need the Lord to seek us out to save us so maybe this morning you would surrender your life to the good shepherd you would once again commit to following his word and to listening to his voice like a sheep in need of our loving shepherd's care each of us this morning need the care of our lord and savior jesus christ We've seen the value of Scripture over the last few weeks. And because of that value, my challenge to you this morning is to make it your primary counselor all day, every day. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would bless this morning, even as we close, bless the preaching and the reading of your word. Your promise is that it would not return void, that you would accomplish through it whatever purpose you have. And so for those 
who you're working on this morning. I pray, Lord, that today would be the day they would respond in faith and surrender to Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for those who have been taught or convicted or put back together or trained this morning in some way, that today would not be the end of it. Continue to do so, Lord. We thank you for your word, for how complete and infinite and yet understandable it is. Make us people, Lord, who are rooted in God's word. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for becoming the living word of God, dying in our place, a death we deserve. We thank you for your forgiveness that you offer through your death and resurrection. May we surrender ourselves to you today in Jesus' name.